Good evening. We'll be beginning here in 1 Kings 5 through 7 in just a moment. But I have a, as we are beginning our study, just looking at a few passages about our Old Testament context. And there's a, a passage that I, I was reminded of recently, that this past week or so. I understand we've passed David. We're into Solomon now. But I was just thinking of this passage in Hebrews chapter 11 about David and his faith. And when it says, time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and David, who through faith, and it goes on to list a number of things that they did through faith. But of course, the lesson that the Hebrew writer is giving is to us that we should be like them. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we see that we are to have faith. We not only believe that God is, but that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. And the elders that that chapter shows us, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, received a good report through their faith. And so we need to be like them. But I'm just thinking of, here's, uh, you know, the, time, <laughs> the writer says, time would fail me to tell about men like David, who through faith did these things. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5, I understand this is talking about Moses, but there's, some, there's a key word in, in this verse that relates to a lesson that I'd like us to get from our lesson tonight about Solomon, and that is the word pattern. Moses, and this is about the tabernacle, we're going to be studying about the temple, but here Moses made the temple and he made it according to the pattern shown him in the mountain. And I think that's key. In Second in First Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, it tells us that David. And I, I hope to look at this passage again a little bit later in the lesson. But it tells us, then gave it, then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, the houses thereof, and the treasuries thereof, and the upper chambers thereof, and the inner parlors thereof, and the place of the mercy seat. So here's here's the you know David could not build the temple. But he received, it says, the Lord made me to understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. So David received the pattern from God and he gave it to Solomon, his son. And he said to Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do it. So Moses followed the pattern for the tabernacle. Solomon followed the pattern for the temple. The application for today is that we want to be careful. We too want to be careful. And follow God's pattern for us. We want to live by faith. Romans 1 verse 17. And we want to do all in the name of the Lord. You know, why do we do this? Why do we do that? How can I say this or teach that or practice this? Well, it's because I can find a passage in the word of God. And I, I'm living by faith. I'm doing God's will. I'm following the pattern that I'm given. Moses followed the pattern he was given. Solomon followed the pattern he was given by the Spirit through David, and we need to follow the pattern that we're given. Some questions for review. In our last lesson, with what king did Solomon make affinity? 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. Okay, with, with Egypt, Pharaoh of Egypt. There's an application I'd like us to think about. In 1 Kings chapter, so Solomon married the daughter of Pharaoh. Okay, so there was affinity between Egypt and Israel. But I, I was thinking about, and I mentioned this in the class, but I was thinking 
again about 1 Kings chapter 11 and the first three verses. The text in the Bible tells us twice in that passage that Solomon loved those foreign women and that they turned his heart away from God. Solomon missed that pattern. You know, God told, and, and I believe David will be showing us how that God appeared to Solomon and told him, you know, not to do what he's doing. Maybe we need to learn the lesson to love the things that will, will keep us with God rather than the things that will turn us away from God, as did Solomon. Yes, Solomon was, we, we see a good example of Solomon in following the pattern that David gave him by the Spirit for the temple. But in marriage, he did not follow God's pattern. And his wives, his foreign wives, turned because he loved them and wanted to please them, built them altars, and then began worshiping him, uh, as I recall, himself. They turned his heart away from God. How did the Lord appear to Solomon? Chapter 3, verse 5. How did God appear to Solomon? In a dream, okay. What did Solomon not ask God for at Gibeon? Okay, long life, the, uh, the life of his enemies and wealth. Who heard of Solomon, the wisdom, Solomon's wisdom? Who heard of the wisdom of Solomon's judgment for the two women and the child? There was a, uh, two women that came to him with a child and he, he made a significant uh, and memorable uh, act of judgment in regard to their, their plea. But who heard, about, who heard about that after he said, let's divide the child. Just cut it in half and give half of the child to each of these two women. Who heard of that wisdom? All Israel. <laughs> All right. What was the state of Solomon's kingdom during his reign? In chapter 4, verse 24. What were, what were the conditions of the what was going around? What was the state of his kingdom? Peace. All right. And that's key in that, you know, here's David and hope to mention some pa a passage that relates uh, that point again. So there was war all around David. He couldn't build the temple. There was peace in Solomon's day. In, in our beginning in our chapter, in chapter 5, what I'd like to do is, in, in this just in this first chapter, and hopefully we'll have time, to cover everything in this, even with this, doing this. But what I'd like to do is read through First Kings chapter five and also Second Chronicles chapter two, because there's just so much extra detail that Second Chronicles chapter two provides into the into the account from First Kings chapter five. But in First Kings five, as we begin our study, so if you want want to, as a, uh, you can just. Put your finger there or mark 2 Chronicles 2. We'll be flipping back and forth from 1 Kings 5 to 2 Chronicles 2 for this just this first part of the lesson. But in 1 Kings 5, in the first six verses, Hiram, spelled Huram, Huram in 2 Chronicles, Hiram of Tyre sent servants to Solomon after they heard was, that Solomon was king. And Solomon asked Hiram for cedar to build the house of God and for help because there was no one who could hew wood like a Sidonian. You might say, and Solomon expressed that David could not build God's house because of the wars that were around him. But now Solomon lived in peace, and so he was going to build the temple of God. Solomon offered to pay Hiram's servants whatever he appointed. 
So in 1 Kings 5, Hiram king of Tyre sent his servants unto Solomon, for he had heard that he had anointed him king in the room of his father, for Hiram was ever a lover of David. And Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that my, David my father could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which are about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. And behold, I purpose to build an house under the name of the Lord my God as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. Now therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and that my servants will be with thy servants. And with thee will I give hire for thy servants according to all that thou shalt appoint. For thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. Okay, in Second Chronicles chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. And Solomon sent to Huram, the king of Tyre, saying, As thou didst deal with David my father, and it send him cedars to build him a house to dwell therein, even so deal with me. Behold, I build a house to the name of the Lord my God to dedicate it to him and to burn before him sweet incense and for the continual showbread and for the burnt offerings morning and evening on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the solemn feast of the Lord our God. This is an ordinance forever in Israel. And I do want to come back and look in more in detail at that verse 4. And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods. And I want us to think about that, hopefully, as we have time. This temple was for the Lord. It was for the great God above all gods. And we'll look at someone, Manasseh, and what he did in God's temple. But who is able to build him a house, seeing the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build him a house? save only to burn incense before him. Send me now, therefore, a man cunning to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in iron and in purple and crimson and blue and that can skill the grave with the cunning men that are with me in Judah and in Jerusalem, whom David my father did provide. Send me also cedar trees, fir trees, algum trees out of Lebanon. For I know that thy servants can skill to cut timber in Lebanon. And behold, my servants shall be with thy servants, even to prepare me timber in abundance, for the house which I am about to build shall be wonderful, great. And behold, I will give to thy servants, the hewers that cut timber, 20,000 measures of beaten wheat, and 20,000 measures of barley, and 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of oil. Let me just say that that's a, that's a lot of stuff that he was going to give him. And I, in my research, I was looking at, at baths and bushels and what have you. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't feel that I could get a consistent lock on the words that are used here to try to translate in that, that into whatever. I mean, I, I could. I, there were things, I could quote one and another, but they look different to me and uh, come out. So anyway, there's a lot of things that Solomon was going to provide to Hiram for his work. Any comments or questions so far? Well, back in 1 Kings chapter 5, we'll pick up back in verse 7. So Hiram was pleased to honor Solomon's request for help. Hiram was sent cedar by float, by floats from Lebanon down to Joppa. In the ESV, it says he would make it into rafts, verse 9. 
But Solomon gave Hiram food for his household in return, and the two kings made a league together. Let's begin reading in first, back in 1 Kings 5. And it came to pass when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, which has given unto David a wise son over his great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. My servant shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I will convey them by sea in floats into the place that thou shalt appoint me, and I will cause them to be discharged there, and thou shalt receive them, and they shall, thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. So Hiram gave Solomon cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 measures of wheat for food for his household and 20 measures of pure oil. Thus gave Solomon to Hiram year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And they too made a league together. So back in Second Chronicles chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Then Huram, the king of Tyre, answered in writing by which he sent to Solomon, because the, Lord hath, hath, because the Lord hath loved his people, he hath made thee king over them. Huram said, Moreover, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, that made heaven and earth, who hath given to David, a king, David the king a wise son, endued with prudence and understanding, that might build an house for the Lord, and a house for his kingdom. And now I have sent a cunning man, endued with understanding, of Huram my father's, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre, skillful to work in gold and in silver and in brass and iron and stone and in timber and purple and blue and in fine linen and in crimson, also to grave any manner of graving. And as we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll know how, notice how that in the temple there was so much engraving, uh, I believe on the walls and the doors, to grave any manner of graving, to find out every device which shall be put to him with thy cunning men, with the cunning men of, of my Lord David thy father. Now therefore the wheat and the barley, the oil and the wine which my Lord hath spoken of, let him send unto his servants. And we will cut wood out of Lebanon as much as thou shalt need, and we will bring it to thee in floats by sea to Joppa, and thou shalt carry it up to Jerusalem. All right, comments or questions? So the workers, Solomon raises a levy of 30,000 men from Israel. He has them rotate 10,000 by month, by month, by month. Uh, so every, every, every four months, you know, they, they'd be back around. There were 70,000 men who bear burdens, 70,000 who hewed the wood, 3,300 to 3,600 rulers over the people. According to 2 Chronicles 2, verse 17, these 150,000, these 70,000 burden bearers and the 80,000 hewers of wood were strangers in the land. I take it that they were non-Israelites. And Solomon and Hiram's builders hewed stone for the foundation of the house. So let's pick up here in 1 Kings chapter 5 and read the rest of that chapter, beginning in verse 15, verse 13. And King Solomon raised a levy out of Israel, and the levy was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month by courses. A month they were in Lebanon and two months at home. And Adoniram was over the levy. And Solomon had threescore and 10,000 that bear burdens and fourscore thousand hewers in the mountains. 
beside the chief of Solomon's officers, which were over the work, 3,300, which ruled over the people that wrought in the work. And the king commanded, and they brought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay the foundation of the house. You will make a note of something it says in Second Chronicles about how they did that work. And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them in the stone quarters, so they prepared timber and stones to build the house. And now in Second Chronicles chapter 2, Second Chronicles chapter 2, in the first couple of verses, it notes there that Solomon intended to build the house, and Solomon uh, took them, all of these men to, to, to do the work, and it, it notes that there. But then in verse 17, Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 17, And Solomon numbered all the strangers that were in the land of Israel after the numbering wherewith David his father had numbered them, and they were found 150,000 and 3,600. And he set threescore and 10,000 of them to be bearers of burdens, and fourscore thousand to be hewers in the mountains, and 3,600 overseers to set the people a work. All right, so Solomon, Solomon, and uh, before we look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 4 in detail, any comments you have? So back in Second Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 4, let me read that verse again. So Solomon says, Behold, I build a house to the name of the Lord my God to dedicate it to Him and to burn incense before Him to burn before him sweet incense. So he, he lists three things in, in this passage about the purpose for the temple. He was going to burn incense. It was going to be for the continual showbread and for the burnt offerings. And those burnt offerings, I take it, would be at four different times through the year. He says morning, morning and evening, so that daily. And on the Sabbaths, weekly, and on the new moons, monthly, and on the solemn feast of the Lord our God, yearly. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. And so Solomon says, here's, here's the temple I'm building. It's for God, and here's the purpose for the temple. So in other words, what we see is here Solomon is, is, is going by and showing the pattern that God has for the temple. And, and again, that's going to be important as we look at how that degraded over time with, uh, with uh, well, I'm forgetting the name of the king, but it's in my notes and we'll look at it in a bit. But So here's the pattern that God has for the temple and what they were to use it for. But so the, these burnt offerings were to be done daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. I, I, I was reminded of a passage in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 5. In Matthew 12 and verse 5, the Pharisees get on to Jesus, Jesus' disciples, for his disciples going through the fields and, and plucking grain on the Sabbath day. And they, he said, they were not doing what's lawful. And I've got a point for why I'm mentioning this. But in Matthew chapter 12, the bottom line of it was that, they, that Jesus told the Pharisees, no, no, my disciples are guiltless. Verse 5, at the end of verse 5. I'm, I'm sorry, not the end of verse 5. Um, Verse uh, 7, at the end of verse 7, Jesus turn, is talking to these Pharisees and he says, if you had known a certain passage, he said, you would not have condemned the guiltless. 
So my disciples, no, no, it's not like they're violating the law of God and God's just overlooking it or automatically forgiving it or something like that. No, he says they were guiltless. They had not violated the will of God. They violated, I, I take it, the Pharisees' traditions about the Sabbath, but not the law of God. But he says, back in verse 5, he says, as he's reasoning with the Pharisees, he says, haven't you read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? I take it he's speaking accommodatively there. He's, they're blameless, but they're, they're doing things that ordinarily might be wrong, say kindling a fire or doing work on the Sabbath. But this was part of God's pattern. You know, here's Solomon says here in, in 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 2, here's the temple and what it's for. And so the priests, they would be offering these sacrifices daily, doing this incense and the continual showbread and the offerings, they would be doing it daily, weekly on the Sabbath, as God directed. So when God directs us to do something, it's, it's not wrong, as God was, would have been directing the priest. So it's just interesting, uh, that passage in verse 4. But also reference Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians 2 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul, as he's describing how that the old covenant law was basically nailed to the cross, it's not, it's not binding on us today. Don't let anyone tell you, well, you need to worship on the Sabbath. You need to keep these Old Testament rites. Well, he says in verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. So here's the daily offerings they were to make or in respect of an holy day, the yearly feasts that the Jews would observe, or of the new moon, the monthly times that the Jews would observe, or of the Sabbath days, the weekly times. So these, these things under the old covenant law, the, 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 the times and the offerings daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly that Solomon said this temple is for. Paul said, no, don't let anyone judge you on those things because those are a shadow of things to come. Shadow of things to come. Over in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, it mentions how that the Old Testament law had many things that were shadows of the true, the image, the real that was coming. Let me just give you an illustration. If you were walking through a field on a, on a sunny day and maybe you, you were uh, like everybody, everybody is today, just, they've got their head down on, the, on their phone. You're walking through a field and you were doing texting or whatever and suddenly things became a little dark and you looked around and there was a, a shadow and you saw the outline of a tree. Then you knew what was, what was up ahead. You better look up so you, you don't run into the tree. So you look up and there's the image, the real thing. You know, as we're walking through the Old Testament, we're seeing these shadows, the Sabbath, the offerings. But then, you know, we can look ahead and see the true, the image. And I, I believe that's what the point of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 is, that the Old Testament had shadows of things to come. Paul is saying these things that they did under the Old Covenant law, these times like the seven-day Sabbath, those are shadows. Don't let anyone judge you in regard to those things. In And, and basically, the, the lesson, again, reiterating the point about following the pattern, if we were to go back to that old covenant law and enjoin upon people Things, say, the, the dietary restrictions of the Old Covenant law, the days of the Old Covenant law, the sacrifices, marriage rules, or whatever, we would not be following our pattern. We need to follow our pattern, our New Covenant law, not the Old Covenant law. 
We can follow their faith. Here's Solomon. He was doing the pattern. You know, we need to follow his faith and we need to do our pattern just like David did, Solomon did, and those of old, as we see listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Comments or questions? In 1 Kings chapter 6, we'll look at the first 10 verses. Here, Solomon began to build the house in the 480th year after Israel left Egypt, about 500 years after Israel left Egypt, he began to build the temple in Mount Moriah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So he, he's beginning to build this house at Mount Moriah. The house was seven years in building. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. In the fourth year was the foundation of the house of the Lord laid in the month Ziph. And in the eleventh year, in the month Bull, which is the eighth month, was the house finished. And so he began to build the, uh, the house in the fourth year of his reign. The eleventh year of his reign, he finished it. And in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 7, it tells us, shows us that the, no st- in the, these big stones in the foundation of the house, no tools were heard uh, in the building as they were putting it together on site. Now they, they hewed those off site and then brought them in and uh, put them into place. It's interesting. It just is interesting to me. You know, sometimes the Bible will uh, round off numbers. Like, okay, the house of the Lord was seven years in building. It was really seven years and six months. But he's just rounding. But he gives the details there for us. So in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month Ziph, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. And the house which the king Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was threescore cubits, the breadth thereof was twenty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits, so seventy by, or sixty by uh, twenty by thirty. And the porch there before the temple of the house, 20 cubits was the length thereof on this porch, according to the breadth of the house, and 10 cubits was the breadth thereof before the house. And for the house he made windows of narrow lights, and against the wall of the house he built chambers round about, against the walls of the house round about, both of the temple and of the oracle, and he made chambers round about. The nethermost chamber was five cubits broad, and the middle was six cubits broad, and the third was seven cubits broad, for without in the wall of the house he made narrowed nest round about that the beams should not be fastened in the walls of the house. Just rested onto the, these, uh, these narrow, narrowed rests. And the house when it was in building was built of stone made ready before it was brought thither so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. And the door for the middle chamber was at the right side of the house and they went up with winding stairs into the middle chamber and out of the middle into the third. So he built the house and finished it and covered the house with beams and boards of cedar and he built chambers against all the house, five cubits high, and he rested on the house and they rested on the house with timber of cedar. In verse 2, again, just making a note that the house that King Solomon built 
was for the Lord. He built it for the Lord, and he was building again according to the pattern that David had given him. Okay, in so it tells us here in this section of scripture in 1 Kings chapter 6 that Solomon built the house, he finished it. And the Lord told Solomon, and what let me let's go ahead and read 11 through 14 before we make this note. Verse 11. And the word of the Lord came to Solomon saying, concerning this house which thou art in building, if thou wilt walk in my statutes, if thou wilt walk in my statutes, if thou wilt walk in my statutes and execute my judgments and keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. Solomon, if you'll walk in my ways, then I'll be with you. This temple was later destroyed in the days of King Zedekiah. In 2 Kings chapter 25, and I would love to read all of this. It's just, uh, to me, it's very interesting. But in second, but we are going to run short on time. But in 2 Kings chapter 25, because there's so many statements that the, the writer in this, that chapters like this are making that we're seeing back here in our study tonight. It says it came to pass in 2 Kings 25, verse 1, in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his host, against Jerusalem. And he pitched against it, and they built forts against it, round about, and the city was besieged in the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And so he besieges the city. And let's see. And verse 5, And the army of the Chaldeans pursued after the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army were scattered from him. So they took the king, they gave judgment against him, they pierced out his eyes, with, uh, killed his children, pierced out his eyes, carried him to Babylon. Let's see. And verse 9, And he burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem, and every great man's house burnt he with fire. So Nebuchadnezzar burned the temple. And all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. Let's see. And then it goes on, like in verses 14 through 17, it shows how that he took all of the things that Solomon made and he brought them to Babylon. And it, it, it again describes the, the temple in that section just like we, we see in our, in our uh, section of Scripture tonight in 1 Kings 5 and also in 2 Chronicles 2. But the temple, so the temple was later destroyed in the days of King Zedekiah. The temple was later rebuilt in the days of Ezra. In Ezra chapter 3, in Ezra 3 and verse 12, they laid the foundation. There were some of the older men who had seen the first temple. And they wept when they saw the foundation of this new temple laid. And in chapter 5, in verse 12, they, they stopped building on the house, but 
Haggai and Zechariah encouraged the people and prophesied and got them to start back rebuilding this temple. Uh, They laid the foundation then ceased then got back to it. Zerubbabel, verse 2, began building. And then in verse 12, it says they they wrote a letter to the king, uh, uh, king, I believe, Darius. Wrote a letter to King Darius and told him, Verse 12, after that our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath. This is the reason I want to mention this verse is for what we just read back in 2 Chronicles. Or I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 6 and how the, the Lord was telling Solomon, if you walk in my ways, I will be with you. But here it says, they're, they're writing to Darius about the need to rebuild this temple. After that our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. Our fathers provoked the God of heaven unto wrath, and God gave them to Nebuchadnezzar. And then in chapter 6 and verse 15, they finished that house in the days of, of Ezra. Well, the temple was destroyed again and that temple was destroyed again in the days of the disciples, 87. And we see that in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, the disciples remarked to the Lord how that, you know, Lord, look at this great building. He said, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. It's not going to be thrown down. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1. And so he goes on to say, show us in Matthew 24 and verse 15, they'll see the abomination of desolation. Possibly that was the Roman armies surrounding and, and uh, in the area. And they were to flee to the mountains, verse 16. But all of that was to happen, he says in verse 34. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So that temple, that second temple, was destroyed again in 70 A.D. Any comments or questions that you have? One thing, in the, the remaining portion of 1 Kings chapter 6 and also in 1 Kings chapter 7, there are a lot of details. We don't have time to, to look into all of those details of the temple, in, of the building of the temple. But I was just noting something that Bob commented in his book. He says, and this is on page 119 of his book, Bob's book, it's difficult to visualize the temple. The data given in the text does not describe all the details of the temple's construction or appearance. What we have enables us only to have a general picture of the way it looked. And he goes on and talks about uh, maybe the tabernacle, there was more detail, but in uh, the temple there's not that much detail. And so I decided rather to attempt, and I'm, I may be failing in that, even that attempt, to rather than go through the details of the temple, emphasize how that Solomon Follow the pattern. And we too need to follow the pattern of God's Word. In, let's see. And we could, and I've got a couple of slides with uh, just some details, just some, uh, I'm sorry, some summarizations of the sections in 1 Kings 6 and 1 Kings 7 about the details of that temple. But Sol- so Solomon builds the, the temple with cedar and fir. He overlays it with gold. There's all of the, the engravings on the walls and on the doors. And in, in 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 23 through 28, in that section, he makes, makes these, these huge cherubs with wings, five cubits each. And the wings of the cherub are touching each other. They're touching the walls. 
And, you know, someone may think, well, here are these images that they made. And I just wanted to point out, just as the fires and the offerings on the Sabbath were directed by God, God is directing them to make these images. God is directing them. They're, they're doing these cherubs by the pattern. So when God tells us to do something, well, it's not wrong to, you know, so, so God can do things. Several points. You know, God, there are things that God can do that we cannot do. For example, He can accept worship. He can judge hearts. He can swear. There are things that God Himself can get done that tells us not to do. But then there are things that He tells us to do, directly tells us to do. Well, how do we know what to do or what not to do? Follow the pattern. In Colossians chapter 3, do all in the name of the Lord. You know, walk according to faith. Follow God's pattern for us. Not Moses' pattern that they followed, but follow God's pattern for us. Right. I've just, I've just seen maybe question, ask, good point. Those were not set up as idols. And hopefully we'll have time to look at something that Manasseh did in a moment. But just, just making that point that God directed them to build these cherubs. God told them to. They were following a pattern when, when they did that. So again, the point, of the main application I want us to think about, we want to be careful to follow God's pattern for us. We want to live by faith. We want to do all in the name of the Lord. Solomon built the temple according to the pattern. I'd love to have time to look back again at 1 Chronicles 28, verses 11 to 21 that we had read. And there in that section, the Lord, it details to us in 1 Chronicles 28, it details to us that David received by the Spirit the details for this pattern, and it uses the word pattern in the King James, and he showed it to David. So David gave to Solomon the pattern. Solomon followed it. In Second Chronicles chapter 26, verses 16 to 20, remember about King Uzziah when his heart was lifted up with pride? What did he do? Do you all remember? He went into the temple to burn incense. The priest met him and said, Uzziah, it's not for you. It doesn't pertain to you. Well, of course not. He wasn't following the pattern. So God gave them, gave Israel the pattern. They did these offerings and these sacrifices, the incense and the showbread. According to the pattern, Uzziah was not of the priests. He should not have been offering the incense in the temple. Second Chronicles 33, in the, verses 4 through 11. King Manasseh, in that section of Scripture, it shows us that he built altars at the temple, in the temple, on that, in that area, and even, I believe it says, in the temple, he built the altars. And so God uh, sent uh, Assyria against King Manasseh. And a good thing about King Manasseh is that he turned and he repented. Our next class, Lesson 12, is, I, I believe, mostly 1 Kings chapter 8 and some of chapter 7 with the building of... of uh, Solomon's house, and uh, but I'll, I'll leave that up to uh, to David on the the details of uh, and the scope of that that lesson. But any final comment? Thank you for your comments.